Coming up this week, off screen. Dumbo takes off. Gerard Butler gets vanishing. Willem Dafoe's at Eternity's Gate. Two brothers are eaten by lions. Patricia Clarkson's out of blue. Farpanar, he's got three faces. Chris CV is being Frank. And the Lords of Chaos are in town. All of us to come and more, off screen. This is... This is off screen. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Collett. I am Case Allen. So, welcome back, Mr. Allen, another week of film frolics. Yeah. Nice alliteration. <laughs> Thank you. And I wish I could uh, think of another uh, F word, but I can't because it's censored. How you are flinging, flaming, flaming 30 now, I believe, as well, which is a new thing for the show. <sighs> Fudging hell. Fudging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, en- enough alliterations of F because this could go entirely wrong. Mm. Um, so, Same yes, w- welcome to your 30s, by the way. Thanks. It's yeah. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to be alive still. Um, how, how are your 30s going? You've been in the 30s longer for than five me. Five years. It's, it's, wow. it's been a ride. It's been a ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What a five years. I feel right, Brian. I feel right. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get to uh, the box office top five, the, we're not doing the box office top five this week. I'll edit that out. Yeah, before we get to it, we will not get to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we get to the film news, the reviews for this week, we need a piece of film news to kick us off. Something big and strong. What do you got? We do. This is pretty big, and it's been bubbling away for a while now. Years, in fact. And what is so, that? Bill and Ted 3. No. Yes. Is it don't really? I, well, you don't know. Is it really, though? Well, they, they made a video about it. They were at Hollywood Bowl, um, yeah. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. And um, yeah, they were like, this is actually happening. This is like our announcement video. It has and a release date, doesn't it? It's got a release date, which is... We'll look some, it up. At some point. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's either June or July next year. It's weird. Like, great. Do you think it's actually happening? Do you believe it this time? I believe it. Because I think that there is enough people that have kind of donated to it. And they're filming in New Orleans... Which is quite a New Orleans. cheap, yeah. It's that's quite a cheap place to film because that's why we're doing uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot. Oh. So I feel like, yeah, if if you want a sequel and enough fans want it, let's go film. Let's go film <laughs> it in New Orleans. I keep telling you, I'm, I'm amazed we still haven't really had the Marvel movie set in New Orleans yet. Oh, we will. That'll come. That'll, that'll come. Maybe if they ever reboot that Gambit project. I, I was just going to say, as soon as they get all the, all the X-Men films. So, uh, Bill and Ted 3. So, we've got Alex Winter. We've got Keanu Reeves. Um, we've, we've got, got a title. We've, we've got a title. What was yes, the title? Uh, Bill and Ted Face for Music. That's it. Which I really like. Am I to understand that it's to do with parallel universes or something, or the timeline's been altered somehow? Or? The timeline's been altered. It's to do with their kids oh. as well. Um, yeah. So I'm assuming that like Joey King will be cast any minute as Ted's daughter, <laughs> which would be cool because I like More it. Likely, yeah. yeah, but uh, it's an Orion film as well, which I'm happy about. Yeah, I'm really happy. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to build a Ted movie without the Orion <laughs> yeah. logo. <laughs> So um, yeah, yeah, August twenty first, twenty twenty. Then, so oh, a little bit later, but yeah, yeah. that is uh, that is cool. So ah, just over a year, and we've not mentioned who else is returning. Who else is point? returning? Uh, Sir, Billy, Sir Will Sadner. Yeah, so, <laughs> Bill Sadler. Yeah. <laughs> William Bill Shatner. Sadler. William Shatner. <laughs> Bill Sadler. Bill Sadler. Yeah. Connie Chung. Connie Way. <laughs> who is uh, playing Reaper? Who played Reaper in Bogus Journey? Yep. Yeah. And uh, oh man, I I love like regardless of what you think about Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the character of Death like is terrific. Yeah. Like that awesome. is a great performance. Yeah. He gets all the best lines. Mm. It's just a really great role. Yeah, and I could watch Bogus Journey over and over just for death. Like I prefer, I, I'm more interested in his character than I am the plot of that movie. Yeah, like that could have been a spinoff just about him. Yeah, I really would have just had yeah. death because doesn't he? Uh, he's featured in the montage at the end of as having changed the world. Isn't yes, he? yeah. Is oh. that one they're singing? God gave rock and roll to you. Yes, yeah. when they do the, the kiss montage at the end. It's awesome. That song. Yeah. But. So yeah, that is the news. I can't wait. I really can't. So, um, don't forget, we've got to plug the podcast edition real quick. So, if you want to hear the extended version of this show with more news, more reviews after the end credits, uh, pop along to your podcast platform of preference, uh, be it Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anything with podcasts in the title is usually a dead giveaway. And uh, you can find us in there, longer and healthier. So, um, <laughs> on to the first, <laughs> on to the first review of the week. What should we talk about? Should we talk about, uh, how about documentary to start us off? Oh, yeah, you, you cultured thing. Ah, well, am I, though? Because the documentary is about a British comedian. 
So that's, that's still culture. Yeah. So documentary is being Frank, the Chris CV story. Right, right. So you know, of course, Frank of Sidebottom. Frank Sidebottom. Yeah. I'm not going to do the voice because I just can't do it well. It's too nasally for me. Um, just can you do a Michael Fassbender voice instead? <laughs> I can't even remember how Fassbender did it now. This is the thing. Uh, Frank Sidebottom as a character and as a media presence bypassed me entirely. Like I think I was aware of him through things like with Martin Marr kind of stuff, like mm. sort of <laughs> really sort of uh, you know the comedy of the late '80s, the alternative comedy scene of the late '80s, very much through there, but in the slightly more surreal and I didn't really wander into. So I didn't really know about until the, the, the Michael Fassbender, Donald Gleeson movie, Frank, a few years ago. Yeah, which I really liked that. I really liked it too. It was quirky and it was weird and it was and it was odd and I didn't get the relevance as to what it had to do with the, the, the real Frank Sidebottom or anything but okay, it's fine. I still got on with the fun of it. This is the story of what actually went on with, with Frank Sidebottom. This is the story of his creator. This is Chris Seavey. And the story goes that Chris Seavey becomes a musician. He sets up the Freshies as a band. And he's always on the cusp of becoming something big. Mm. And it just never seems to quite work out for him. And <clears throat> if you've worked in media for a few years, you can pretty much recognise the pattern because it does happen with most of the things you work on in the media. You will land on your ass over and over and over again. He, though, got really lucky in that one of his sort of side ventures wound up taking on a life of its own. It snowballed. It caught on in in, in a low-level section of, of the public consciousness, mm. and that was Frank Sidebottom, who was created as a sort of side character as a fan of the Freshies and became, became a spin-off character that wound up overshadowing not only everything else Chris Seavey would ever produce, but also he himself as a human being. And given that he struggled with certain mental health issues and addictions, you can imagine this did not end well. We have a clip of his, uh, his short-lived talk show on Manchester Cable, specifically him interviewing Emma Bunton. Right, now, you've got a new song out, haven't you? Yes, I Did have. you write that? I did, yes. What colour pen did you use? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. The guests were purely a stooge for Frank to bounce off. David Soul was, I think, very confused and wanting to leave. Did you have to sign loads of autographs? Oh, no, only on uh, cheques and... All right, Credit do you have to cards, copy yeah. it off the label in your vest, or do you know your name <laughs> off by heart? I know it mostly by heart. If you created a list of the 100 most non-asked questions on the chat show, Frank would have covered them. You ever been on an airplane? Once or twice. What's that like? Really do you have to hold your nose when These are really good questions, cloud? you know. I'm, nobody's ever asked me questions like this before. That was good, wasn't it? Oh, yes, very entertaining. No, we both chuckled at that, to be fair. Because that is that is kind of our humour, really slightly surreal in you know talk show interview. Um, I had a great time with this, and I didn't expect to. So the whole thing is built out of uh, the archives and the complete body of work of Chris Seavey, who did a lot of artwork. You know, if you ever saw artwork associated with Frank Bottom, uh, Frank Sidebottom, it was yeah. that artwork style, and you know it will all sort of match the tone of the paper mache. I've head. got a Frank mask upstairs. Have you? Yeah, it's modelled on the work of Max Fleischer, isn't it? Richard? It is. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't actually re- I didn't twig that one, but. Uh, so you've got all of his artwork on there. You've got all of his music playing. His music make, makes up the score as well. Mm. And, and he came out with some really great music. So it, it, it's astonishing. And the story itself is touching. It's hilarious. It's twisted. It's a little bit Andy Kaufman at times. It's bizarre. And I really, really loved it. <laughs> I can't wait for it. Thinking, yes, I want to watch all of that talk show he did. It's definitely the Andy Kaufman thing, isn't it? It is that Andy Kaufman thing. Yeah. And there, there are stories about pranks he would pull and things he would do to amuse himself. I mean, throughout, throughout the film, for instance, they constantly reference the fact that he would always draw borders around every piece of artwork he did. And there was a pattern within the border that was like a secret code he had concocted and that no one had ever bothered sitting there and trying to decipher it and by the end of the movie they do and it's just brilliant it's just and it's the final just line crackers. it's a brilliant line of dialogue and I thought it was hilarious and sweet and insightful um, the people who they interview are uh, they're not holding back it, it is very much a, a very raw documentary in they are not they're not they're not standing on ceremony for him they're not admonishing the dead or anything they are they're just going to give you a full portrait of what he was like as a man and this just kind of adds to how much you start to feel feel for and empathize with him he is an intriguing character with or without the paper mache head which apparently is fiberglass later on. i don't realize that 
I didn't. I just assumed it was always paper mache. But apparently later on, apparently it needs to become more stable and durable. Apparently they moved to fiberglass. Hmm. So you are listening to uh, Headcast, the, uh, <laughs> the new head headbase podcast from oh, oh. Uh, Van Cleef. Okay, so. Oh, wouldn't that make you headcase? Headcase. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, wow! I discuss fake heads, masks, <laughs> hairstyles. <laughs> Welcome to Headcase with me, Case. <laughs> That's but uh, no, um, right now. <laughs> definitely catch this. I, I think you'd really enjoy it. I think, for one thing, I think it will actually make you enjoy uh, Frank a lot more in hindsight as well, because it kind of has me. Once it adds a little bit more consistency to it, and you start mm. to get a completely different read on that character in that movie that time, I thought it was great. Also, how weird is this? Johnny Vegas is in two movies on cinema screens this week. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I was just thinking about when I was reading about. Uh, oh, I, 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 I'm not even by lines. Oh, you spoiled it. You, sorry. You scumbag. <laughs> I've, ruined, I've ruined it. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, so two Johnny Vegases this week, and only small roles. Uh, Ross Noble turns up in this as well, actually. I love Ross Noble. Do you know Ross Noble has stroked this leg? Has he now? Yeah. Case points to his right leg. Was it consensual? Yeah. <sighs> right. I went to go... I'll save this really quickly because we need to go to a break. I went to go see Ross Noble live. I was sat in the front row. Um, I got talking to him during the gig. Right. Uh, I then realised I got quite an intense cramp in my right leg. Said this to Ross Noble. Everyone started laughing. Ross Noble got off the stage, tried to massage my leg. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, at least they're witnesses. You know, a, a good two thousand. Yeah. You can't yeah. claim you can't claim anything inappropriate. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll be right back with the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, um, loads of reviews to crack on with this week. So, shall we start with a new one from Carol Morley? Uh, yeah, uh, Carol Morley has not uh, massaged my leg. I'll, I'll be honest, no, I don't think anybody else uh, that we're going to be talking about today has massaged my leg. This is it, because it happens Ross, no. so often we're going to need to start picking directors by who hasn't stroked your leg. Well, that's another podcast. It's very awkward, yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, okay. So, Carol Morley, who directed uh, The Falling a few years ago with Maisie Williams and Florence Pugh, which I think is the first movie I ever saw Florence Pugh in. Mm. And uh, and she was excellent in that, as was Maisie Williams. Uh, she's come back now with Out of Blue, which is uh, ad- adapted from the Martin Amis novel. I forget the name of the novel, but there's a Martin Amis novel that, that follows uh, the exact... This, this has been adapted as. Uh, it stars Patricia Clarkson. She is a cop investigating a murder. Uh, the murder leads to possible connections to a long dormant slasher serial killer from decades previous and somehow ties into an emotional hole within our cop lead herself Uh, we have a clip do you know your place in the universe associate professor Jennifer Rockwell one of the Rockwells? Colonel, I'm Detective Michael Lamb. See your daughter laid out like that. She was my whole life. Jennifer, Jesus Christ. I don't think Jesus had much to do with us, Dr. Strami. Will you be shocked if I tell you that Patricia Clarkson is excellent in this? What? I will, I will not hear of it, sir. Imagine that. Imagine Patricia Clarkson being brilliant in something. She's she's excellent in more or less everything. I think. What were those? What was her YA franchise? Oh, Maze Runner. She Maze did, Runner. Did she do Maze Runner. Maze yeah. Runner. Yeah, I was going to say Divergent, and I realised that's Kate Winslet. Okay, let me give yeah. you the cast for this, and and, and I'm going to set the scene for you. Is, so, is Stanley Tucci in it? Sammy Tucci's not in this. I'm kind That's of shocked, actually. That's they work very well together. James Kahn, Jackie Weaver, Toby Jones, Mamie Gummer, Aaron Vate. It's... That's a good cast. That's just the top few. Yeah. And it's bonkers. It really tries for some... It's like a combination of something like Destroyer with a season of True Detective with... was it? What was the Brit Marling movie where there was another Earth... You remember the one, the oh. really art house movie? It was like Britt Marling communicating with her other self or something on another world that's exactly the same as oh, yeah, Earth I, 2 I or that. Second Earth or something. Earth 2? <laughs> <Earth, laughs> you joke, Earth 2 was the name of a, a sci-fi series in the 90s. 
Yeah, nobody ever made that a film. That is an awful title. I don't know. Another Earth. I think it's called Another Earth. Yeah, I think you're right. Yes. Okay, so imagine all these things thrown in a blender, shot to, you know, insane levels of stunning visual splendor by Carol Morley. It looks incredible. Uh, a wonderful score to it. Great performance of Bruce Clarkson, say. Great supporting cast. What? Um, the only thing with it is it's a bit bobbins, to be honest. It, it sets up... So many possible avenues to really tell an intriguing story. I was so sure you were going to like set up a really like this film was actually really good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm subversive. I'm being subversive. Clarkson's amazing. (laughs) But it's it's a crocker. But yeah, but the film itself isn't very good. And that's because the story isn't very good. I mean, it lays out so many great possibilities and certain mind bending possibilities as well. And then really doesn't do an awful lot with them. Just yeah. But you do come out of it thinking, meh. I mean, you could have lost, I think, a good half hour out of it, easy, but uh, a lot of it is, you know, lingering shots. This is something that comes up a lot this week, by the way. There's a lot of laboured films, a lot of laboured mm. laboured movies this week. But uh, uh, unfortunately, Out of the Blue is one of them. I thought it was a tremendous-looking film, a very well-made, well-acted film, just not a very good film. That's what you say to a friend when you go to, like, see him in a play. Um, <laughs> And it's you were great, the play wasn't, sorry. I'll just like, yeah, the, the lighting was really great. <laughs> I really liked the stage. The set design was immaculate. Yeah. But my, my dad does that whenever I've asked him if he's ever heard any of my work. And he says, yeah, I did. I heard your thing the other day. I thought, what you said about the scripting was very good. That's actually what my dad says. <laughs> but so. the rest of it, yeah. you are. What you said was <laughs> good about the scripting. The rest was bobbins. <laughs> So, a piece of film news before we crack on with the next review, then. Um, what else has happened this week in the world of cinema, Mr. Elf? Um, off the top of my head, we've had some Avengers posters. Oh, so let's, let's, that's, yes. that's news, isn't it? Well, because I they, guess. they put a kind of code in it, didn't they? That, what, you mean like some were in black and white? Yes, the living ones were in colour and the dead were in black and white. Yes. And so we now have confirmation of a few people who are dead or alive that we didn't really before. <laughs> yeah. And presumably it's fine to fine for this to be in the marketing, so obviously it must not be a big secret or anything. We've had a year people, yeah. since Infinity War, so... Okay, so Happy yeah. and Pepper are alive, <clears throat> as is Valkyrie. Yeah, that was cool. That, yeah. that, that was the one that was like... Yes, and then I sent you a joke post, a joke poster that. Uh, yeah, I, Goose, I knew, Goose I knew it was a joke. I knew, I knew it was a joke poster. <laughs> it was, it was then, a good joke poster, though. It was a great one, yeah. <laughs> but when I I sent a reply, it was like, no way that cat's no way, dead. no way that cat's dead. That cat will live like will outlive me. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, uh, I think one of the biggest takeaways, uh, Shuri. Yeah, Shuri is one of the fallen, isn't she? Yeah. So, so right. alas, okay. we've got like a month to wait now. Is it a month yesterday? A month yesterday. A month, yeah. month yesterday till Avengers Endgame. I can't wait. I'm even getting me that hoodie. You know, the, uh, the Quantum Realm suit hoodie? I'm getting me one of those. Wow. But, uh, yeah. I didn't realize you could get that as a hoodie. You, you, you can, yeah. I mean, I know this because the day the trailer aired, literally 15 different spam ads came up on my computer for the hoodie. God, those, so. those cookies have got you pegged. Yeah, they? they really have. Targeted advertising has really targeted me well. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Google. <laughs> <laughs> so, what have we got? Meanwhile, let's talk about The Vanishing. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> this one, you'd like this. It's one of those films that if they'd made it 40 years ago, Robert Shaw would have been obligated to be in it. <laughs> it's so grizzled. It's so grizzled, it's grizzled as a thousand quints. But uh, by the way, I got asked this today. What is the name of Richard Dreyfuss's character in uh, Jaws? It is Cooper, isn't it? Super. Yeah. Thank God, I thought I had this that. Brody. Right. Brody Hooper and Quint. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I was on a radio quiz thing for a friend the other day, and I just no. Anyway, okay. So, The Vanishing is a new film by uh, Christopher Nyholm. Uh, this is the story of uh, the Flannan Isle incident. I believe it's called the Flannel. Uh, the Flannan. Flannan. Flannan Isle mystery, or the oh. Flannan Isle. Uh, incident, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but the flannel incident is uh, when I go by the flannel. Yes, yeah. it is. Your, yeah. your dress is the flannel incident. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. So this is the story of three lighthouse keepers. It is uh, is a remote island flannel. 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 I, I just stop saying flannel. Is this flannel. the Jerry Butler one? This is the Jerry Butler yeah. one. Yeah. So it's Jerry Butler. It's Peter Mullen. It's Connor Swindells from uh, Sex Ed- Sex Education on Netflix. 
One yeah, of the young cast I've, I've there. watched the first episode. Right, they are three lighthouse keepers on a remote Scottish island. Uh, one day they come across a what presume, a, a man they presume is dead, washed up alongside a trunk, stuffed full of something that he's quite clearly had off with. And no sooner right. have they taken these inside and, and, and checked them out for themselves <laughs> than other parties arrive on the island looking for them. We've got a clip. I need to know what's in the chest. It's this shot. I'm opening it. <laughs> Someone's going to come after this. What do you mean? That's a lot more dangerous than you think. Go back. Hey, De Gaulle. People are going to ask questions. We found something. No. They'll come back. What do we do? We'll be careful. Together. Understand? So this is basically like a, a Scottish simple plan. Is that I think the simple plan of the Sam Raimi movie? Yeah, with, with was that Bill Paxton, Paxton, Bill Paxton, Billy Bob, isn't it? Billy Bob. Yeah. yeah, this is a lot kind of like that, but a little bit more of an external threat. Um, this was actually really good. One, I mean, Gerard Butler is excellent in it. I mean, seriously, that's a sentence I'm saying out loud to a, another sentient human being. But another sentient being who is a all Joe, about Joe Butler. Butler fan, you know that. <laughs> Joe Butler is academically great in this. Um, Connor Swind- uh, Swindells, I think, is good as well. And of course, you know, as we always say, a movie can only be so Scottish before Peter Mullen is just obligated to appear. There, there is a guy in this film. Yeah, but if I think of Scottish films, I think of him, uh, Gary Lewis. It, Gary Lewis, who you've got on the screen here in front of us. Yes, I know what you mean. Billy Elliot's dad. Is he Billy Elliot's dad? Yeah. Was he one of the dwarves in in the Hobbit movies? I feel. I feel like no. he could have been. I don't think he is. Graham McTavish is. Ah, that's why I'm Graham McTavish is in Outlander, as is Gary Lewis. Graham McTavish is who I think of second when I think of Scottish <laughs> actors. He's the trainer in Creed, isn't he? He is, is the yes. first one, yeah. But uh, I, anyway. I, I know that guy as well, uh, Olfa Davy Olofsson. You, you will, and you'll know Sora Malling as well as the Norwegians. I think they're Norwegians who arrive in pursuit of uh, what they got. Uh, this really well, really well done movie, and uh, real great sense of atmosphere. It's got. Uh, a proper sense of dread built into it. It, mm. it just feeds all the way through. It's atmospheric. It's tense. It's nothing that you've not seen before. It's it's nothing groundbreaking, but it's a really. It's one of those just let's just do this well. You know, yeah. it's one of those, like, we know what it is. We know what it let's is. Do a good version of it. We're just going to do a good version of it. That's fine. I'm I'm good with that. You don't need to reinvent the wheel every time or anything. But uh, and, and you get a great performance from Gerard Butler in it as well, which it's nice to see Gerard Butler doing something that can really be called out and out drama. Hmm. But uh, I don't think he's done that since like maybe Coriolanus. No, I think that probably is the last time as well. And even then, you can argue that Coriolanus kind of has a gimmick going for it, being you know a, a contemporary set Shakespeare. Shakespeare yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, so it's called The Vanishing. Uh, originally called Keepers, so you may come across it under the title Keepers as well. I thought it was uh, pretty gosh darn good. Cool. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. The Movie Marker Radio Show and Podcast. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, um, we've got to get through three reviews in one quick block now, so let's get these out as quick as we can. At Eternity's Gate. You may remember Uh, this from such greatest hits as Willem Dafoe's Oscar nomination. Yeah. Yeah, so. Um, Yeah, that's that's all I know about it. It's about Van Gogh. (laughs) I'll set it up for you. Van Gogh. Yep. He was that painter that you probably heard about. A painter chap. That painter fella um, had two ears, met a dude, then he had one ear. Yep. He dies at some point. Um, we just paintings first, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's there's, basically there's in between all those things. Okay, so this is uh, a look at the time that Van Gogh put himself into self-imposed exile to try and draw inspiration for what would then become his his big works. And this is obviously during the point in which he yeah. lost the ear is as it, well. Um, sunflowers for... I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, Willem Dafoe plays Van Gogh. Dafoe plays Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Anyway. Van Gogh. Yeah. Um, in a film directed by Julian Schnabel. Here is a clip. You're confusing people. You're confusing yourself with your paintings. I am my paintings. What do you mean by consolation and hope? You might be asking too much of people. I'd like to share my vision with people who can't see what I see the way I see. Yes, but why? 
because my vision is closer to the reality of the world. I can make people feel what it's like to be alive. Pretty dry stuff, Mr. Allen. And is, okay. it, is it like watching paint dry? <laughs> on a canvas, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, it is quite a dull movie. I will give it that. Um, it's The problem is it's very laboured. It's very drawn out. Um, it, it looks pretty sure, but I think there's not enough material there. This is very much an actor's piece. It's not surprising that the only reason you've heard of this is in connection with, uh, you know, Willem Dafoe's Oscar nomination. Yeah. Is, is he very good in it, then? He's excellent in it. He's tremendous in it. Willem, you would, Willem Dafoe. Yeah, you would absolutely watch this movie and think, do you know what? That was awful. But I'm going to give that man an Oscar nomination. You would absolutely do that. I I think that about what is the film mm. where he plays the dude that played Nosferatu? Oh, Shadow of the Vampire. Yeah. yeah, pretty much everyone thinks that about that movie as well. Yeah. I don't like that film, but he is incredible in that film. <laughs> it's true, yeah. isn't it? This is the thing. You do, you do sit there through this movie and just think... Even Oscar Isaac can't seem to draw any life out of this. Mm. It's, I mean, it's perfectly befitting the, the psychological place Van Gogh is meant to be at that point because you do feel like you are being sucked into a consistent cesspool of despair and hopelessness. God, you enjoyed saying that. Yes, I did. Um, I, I, I can't recommend it for anyone other than, you know, a, a cinephile completist or someone who wants to know why Willem Dafoe was yeah. nominated for an Oscar. In which case, I would argue you'd probably get more out of Shadow of the Vampire, or, but... or like Van Gogh's fan as 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 Van Gogh, Van Gogh fans have they got a Van Goers? Van Goers? Van Goers? Do, do you do you Van Gogh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The other thing is as well, of course, Loving Vincent cast a pretty wide shadow. You know, yeah, that, that oh, was, I enjoy that. That was quite distinctive, and that cast a pretty good shadow and a portrait of. I mean, he wasn't even a character in that film, mm. and it cast a great, a great portrait of him and. I just feel like this is more for the actor's piece than anything else. There's some interesting shot hallucinogenic sequences. Uh, a pretty a first novel, but quickly annoying use of, of sound gimmickry. But other than that, I can't really in any way recommend this. Uh, no. No. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> so where shall we go next? Shall we talk about Eaten by Lions? This yes. Is a, a bit of a departure from okay. Matthew Tennessee's game. So, Eaten by Lions, new comedy by Jason Wingard. That was it. I couldn't get, couldn't get his name right because I keep getting confused with Adam Wingard. Uh, yeah. This is, so I keep getting a little bit confused. Yeah. So this is the story of two teenage boys, um, Pete and Omar. Their parents were eaten by lions. Awesome. Literally. I'm in. In a safari park. I'm in. That is so, like, Roald Dahl. It's pretty metal, isn't it? Yeah. That's going to come up again in a minute. So they've been, uh, more or less, they've been kept together. They have different fathers. Um, Pete is is uh, disabled as well. He has to walk around with a, with a frame and, uh, and in a wheelchair. And he, uh, basically, they are kept together by their grandmother, who then passes away. In order for them to basically be kept together, they go in search of Omar's long-lost father, who they think is an affluent middle-class man in Blackpool, but in fact is that man's younger slacker brother played by Asim Chowdhury who you'll know from sort of the stand up live at the Apollo kind of kind of scene I really like him he um he's about people just do nothing he did um, that Donald Trump thing didn't he did what, a, what, he did a Donald Trump, Trump an ethnically changed an ethnically altered Donald Trump I don't know uh, sketch That's anyway cool. we've got a clip I think I'm gonna go find my dad Grand knew where he was all along she just never let on where you going then? India? No. Blackpool? Blackpool! I feel you're not just here for fun, I feel you've come on a mission. And I think this is going to be a very special moment for you. I feel guilty that I, I doubted you. You mustn't worry. I just googled Malik Chowdhury Blackpool. What I'm hearing is, where's my dad? Where's my dad? <laughs> He's not here, is he? What's up, fam? So it's one of those like wacky British comedies. It's uh, it's definitely got a bit of a BBC as, as opposed to what? No, I mean the wack, be, a bit be... zany, you know, a, a bit, bit, a bit, whoa, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so the weird thing about it is, it never seems to stop and do anything with its own concept. It feels like you know when the Farrelly brothers do that, and you get like a film that you don't really care about. You you kind of wonder if wonder three suitors. Yeah, kind of like that. Uh, yeah. But I'm thinking of basically any of the Ben Stiller ones that aren't uh, something about Mary. But uh, right. what was the one he did? Was it Heartbreak Kid or something? 
Like that one I didn't care about. Yeah. That was the bad God, I always forget about remake. Yeah, Marlon yeah. Ackman, yeah. But the problem is, so you get the idea, the whole thing with the, is a strange dad. And his strange dad is a young, you know, oafish slacker type, a younger oafish slacker type, you know, fat dude who really just wants to drink and, drink and get happy. Mm. And they don't do anything with that. They share two scenes together. You know, it's that kind of a movie. It's, it's a billion little plot threads that are never really woven into anything particularly of note. Right. Performances in it are fine, but no one really gets to do much of anything. So it's a bit of a wasted opportunity. I don't wholeheartedly recommend it, to be honest. But, uh, okay, so one I do recommend, though. Lords of Chaos, starring Kieran Culkin. I'll watch him in anything. <laughs> thought that would be your response <laughs> right so this is the story this is the, apparently the true story i had never heard this this is the biopic of the norwegian black metal band mayhem right you know more about the music world than i do so you may well have heard of them because i never had it's the story of mayhem and their rise to prominence in this almost factory records like way uh, in a career that involves burning down churches stabbing gay men in parks and eventually murdering each other here's a clip I know Mayhem's been on the back burner for a while now. I've been busy with the business, which has been good for all of us, actually. We're going to use that money to record our first full-length album. You ever hear the Hungarian band Tormentor? I've been in contact with the singer Attila. He's in. So have I got the wrong Culkin? Is that what it is? You have. Okay. So. Uh, it's not Kieran, it's Rory Culkin, who's in Scream 4 and other films. Oh, I can't okay. remember what else he's in off the top of my head. <laughs> um, I just thought of Scream 4. Yeah, now this is, uh, this is Rory Culkin. Didn't he do the Randy role in Scream 4? Didn't he take on the sort of the Randy type archetype role, the, the nerd filmmaker one? Yeah, I think, I think yeah, he was. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I, I don't want to give anything else away. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, he's great fun in this. Cool. Um, the film itself is very fun. It has this almost Gus Van Santi monster kind of quality to it. It is metal AF, because uh, obviously I can't say the, the actual thing, but I just had a great time as with it. it is, French fries. As fries, yeah. As fries. Yeah. As fries. It is nasty, it's grisly, it's uncomfortable, it is at times triumphant and aggressively rebellious in a sort of horribly infectious way. Um I loved it. I thought it was absolutely terrific. I, I, this is a, it's a bit like Party Monster, actually. Did you ever see that one? I did, yeah. Also with, with, also the, with, with Culkin. Culkin, yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of like that. Kind of a bit, you know, here's Wayne's World does Reservoir Dogs. You know? It's, yeah. It's really dark. It's a little bit of American Animals. I could gush over this movie all day. I thought it was the great. guy that directed it, James yeah. Ackland, yes. I, I know him from uh, music videos. You will. And that comes up in the movie. The movie itself is shot at times like a music video. Yeah, um, he did uh, uh, Smack My Bitch Up. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, right. Which is an amazing video. Now, actually, yes, that makes sense because there's a, there's a, a recurring thing with Rory Culkin where he sort of trips out and he hallucinates and it is shot as a sort of sudden cut to like a fire starter or Smack My Bitch Up kind of video. <laughs> yeah, loads of his videos have got very like distinctive style where they're mm. shot like that and he did Whiskey a Jar. By Metallica. Of course he did. And he did a bunch of YouTube videos that all shot from like this one <laughs> perspective. And yeah, they, they look really great. Yeah, he's he's ace. He's really good. He's done that Polar, that Netflix film. Oh, with... the Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, have you yeah. watched it? Uh, no, I haven't. No. I, I, I hear it wants to be a bit John Wicky, I hear. I'm fine with that. But, uh, yeah, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. But no, um, you absolutely got to see Lords of Chaos. I thought it was terrific. Just imagine metal American animals. Without the documentary element. But I thought it was absolutely terrific. I, I really loved it. I sat there not knowing nothing about it. The film started within about two minutes. I was just all in on this thing. It wins you over quick. The performances are really engaging. They really suck you into this really twisted story. Like I say, go see it. It's called Lords of Chaos. Boom. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The Movie Marker Radio Show and Podcast. And we're back for one last ride, Mr. Allen. So, a uh, piece of film news before we do our last review of the week. Yeah, there's um, there's going to be a He-Man film. <gasps> there is, isn't it? Is, yeah. it? is it Masters of the Universe? Is that what they're called? Yeah, it is. And am I right in thinking this is the same one that McGee was going to be redirecting years ago? And <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah, which is great. There's, um, yeah... 
there's a directing team that are making it now, mm. and I have forgotten. I've not looked it up. So <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the best news anchor in the world. Haven't they cast someone though as Prince Adam of Eternia or whoever it is? Yeah, as He Man. Uh, oh, uh, as He Man. Okay. Yeah. So who have they got? Uh, Noah Centineo. Now I know I've heard the name, but I'm yeah. not sure in connection with. Have what. you watched? That Netflix film to all the boys I've loved before. I bloody knew you were going to say that film as well. Every time it's yeah. that film. It's, I've not seen that one film, yeah. and everything happening it's, in the world. It's, it's all right. Yeah, like people lost their minds a little they bit. They did, that film. didn't they? I've, I, I liked it. It was all you right. Like it? Oh, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll watch it if you like. I think it. right. I I didn't realize that it was lined up to be part of a series, and oh. so when it came to the end of the film, I was very just like, ah, <laughs> right. And then yeah, there's, there's going to be more stuff going on, so I felt quite unsatisfied. Yeah, but. I should have been unsatisfied. I know, come. So, yeah. So he's so good he's, Yeah, and you, and it, it makes sense. Um, he looks just like uh, young Mark Ruffalo. Oh, does he? Yeah, and <laughs> Mark Ruffalo is aware of this. Yeah. He, he put a thing on Instagram where it was like throwback Thursday, and it was just a picture of his kid. Huh, that's yeah. interesting. I always thought Penn Badgley looks a bit like Mark Ruffalo, like a younger Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, he does a little bit. Um, and Mark Ruffalo, as we know, looks like uh, Peter Falk. Uh, of course. So there's, there's yeah. a natural... There's a family drama in this. There is. You can cast very easily. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so let's talk about uh, Dumbo, then. This last movie of this week. I'm looking is... forward to this. I think it looks great. Well, well not, I mean, not great, but like good. Fun, I was kind of like that with it, to be yeah. honest. I and thought, oh, this, this could be pretty decent, to be honest. A new film by Tim Burton. So they have given Dumbo to the big fish guy. <laughs> And it is, you know, it, it is set in the same kind of... Pi- <laughs> no, Van, they've given it to the billion-dollar Alice in Wonderland guy. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course he was going to make another Disney live-action film. But uh, anyway, so, you know, adaptation of Dumbo, now in live-action. Dumbo himself is computer-animated. The animals are mute in this interpretation. Oh, right. So, same basic story, because remember that Dumbo was only about an hour long originally <laughs> yeah, in, in over, yeah this film is an hour 50 i think thereabouts so the actual plot of dumbo takes up roughly half of this movie it is interwoven with parallel parallel uh, storylines featuring human characters such as colin farrell who is a soldier who has returned from service in the war uh, to the circus that he calls home where he works as a trainer his kids are uh, are there waiting for him their mother has passed away from influenza while he's been away and oh yeah he's lost an arm in the process as well the circus ringleader the, a, a sleazy individual played by Danny DeVito uh, has sold all of Colin Farrell's prized horses with uh, whom he runs his act and he is then assigned to elephant training because as it happens he's ju- the, the circus has just, ta- has just had a birth of uh, an African elephant with ridiculously oversized ears and Colin Farrell is tasked with doing something with this elephant his young daughter played by Nico Parker who get this is Tandy Newton's daughter Huh. Yeah, so when you see her, you think, oh, that cute little girl looks familiar. Oh, oh my, my God, it's Tandy Newton. I've just seen a picture of her. Yeah, it's Tandy Newton. She looks Newton, just like her. She does. But absolutely, yeah. But uh, so uh, Nico Parker is Colin Farrell's daughter. She's into science, so she's a bit of an, a bit of an outcast, a bit of a heretic as far as the circus is concerned. And she discovers that by flapping his ears in a certain way, Dumbo can fly, and he can single-handedly solely be, be responsible for saving the circus's fortunes. Here's a clip. For the record, this was not my idea. Dumbo works alone. So do I. Bonjour, Millie. Joe. And you. Hmm, charming. Well, maybe didn't recognize you without the makeup. So I got to teach you to fly? I know how to fly. Ever since I was a child. They taught Dumbo to fly, no? So I don't need your expertise. All right. So I thought this was really cute. And likable. And yeah, sweet. That's, and that's what I've heard. It's not a great movie. All right. I mean, it's, it's about as good as Cinderella, I suppose. It's kind of, I'd say it's Cinderella good. Then that's, that's, that's pretty decent. It's fine, isn't it? It's not a, a full-blown like win, like uh, Beauty and the Beast and... and, and oh, come uh, on. Beauty and the Beast isn't a full-blown win. Oh, Beauty and the Beast is basically a win. A Jungle Book is basically a win. Jungle Book is the most of a win. Oh, it's of, the, of, of Jungle Book's the big win. I would Beauty not say... Be, I would say Beauty and the Beast is on par with Cinderella. Really? And I will fight you for that. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, we'll argue about that another time, but I'm still calling it Cinderella good. Either way, it's better than Maleficent and Peach Dragon. Well, we can get... But, uh... Peach Dragon is good. Uh, okay, okay. 
We'll agree to disagree. Let's just say Maleficent is terrible. That's right. what this whole thing. Yeah, that's the point. Really yeah. um, so you know, Colin Farrell's fine in it. He's a bit drippy, but he's likable, engaging enough. That seems to be the sort of mo of most of the cast here. Yeah. Uh, the kids are engaging. Nico Parker, I, I think, has got uh, some real, uh, real charisma. Uh, <laughs> Ava Green's in there because Tim Burton movie. Uh, she's a she's the new lady. Yeah, she's that. the new. You know, you know, lady to Madame de Tim Burton, you yeah. know. And, uh, you know, Michael Keaton, uh, Michael Keaton doesn't get an awful lot to do. He's kind of hamming it up as much as he can. And Danny DeVito is a little bit of fun, but nowhere near as much fun as the film thinks he is. The problem is the film, although the story works marginally better... The, f- the film can't think. The film is a film. The film doesn't have a brain. Yeah. The problem is the film works marginally better... Uh, by virtue of having the human characters in and actually texturising the story a bit, padding it out and actually giving it proper depth. Yeah, because that's what the animated one hasn't got. Well, I mean, they do manage the same story. They have removed a couple of elements, like the racist Racist crows. crows. They're getting drunk bit. uh, Oh, oh, is there no pink elephants then? There are pink elephants, but it's different circumstances now. Oh, that's fine. And it's a wonderful sequence, gorgeous sequence. The film looks great, if a bit muted. I, I there's a weird choice to go a little bit grayscale with the color on this, and you do feel like maybe it's an attempt to get out from under the shadow of the Great Showman because you do feel that hanging over this, right? Uh, but I am happy to say that as far as Tim Burton adapting, you know, an established property goes, this is not another Planet of the Apes slash Alice in Wonderland slash Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's fine, man. It's a noted improvement on those films. It's not quite peak Burton, but it is... It just seems to have got to, like, this pretty mm. decent stage, because yeah. I thought Miss Program was all right, I... Thought Big Eyes was all right. Yeah, it's just okay. kind of got there. Brilliant. Okay, I think you're definitely going to agree with me on this. Then it is a. It's that kind of slightly dialed back Burton that we've had the last few years, which works just about right. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I think you know, kids will be won over by it. I think adults will be charmed by it. I don't think it will become anyone's favourite. I don't think anyone's going straight for this on the DVD shelf when the kids ask for one of those movies again. Mm. You know, I think more than likely Jungle Book or Beauty and the Beast, but. I know you hate Beauty and the Beast, but fine. It's not that I hate it. It's that I that's want it fine. to not be alive anymore. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's that it's fine. I like it. I love Beauty and the Beast. Fair, fair. Okay, I'll give you that. So there's no way that that film is ever going to be considered like mm. incredible and a full out win because the animated one is so effing good. That's true. That's true. So also, you have lost, sir. Your point has been disproven. You know, I will, I will add one. to you. I will add to your argument as well, well and tell you that even I think the CG beast doesn't quite work, and it would have been better off as a man in a suit. So it, it probably would have been. Probably would have been. Yeah. Get, anyway, get me Ron Perlman from, <laughs> from the eighties. Anyway, Dumbo's a bit good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. Yeah, yeah it's just, I, 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 want, I want this whole live action Disney thing. I mm. want them to concentrate on your black cauldrons yeah on your swords and stones yeah. on on like your kind of not not lesser ones because i don't want to like the, the less a triple a category mainstream ones the ones yeah. that aren't universally beloved yeah i know what you mean like black when, when, when well black cauldron is happening yeah i've heard that and isn't it going to yeah. be like some game of thrones right i think it which is, is completely <laughs> how you're supposed to do that <laughs> I want them to do Ben Lovers and Boomsticks again, because I, I think get, that would be incredible. I want them to get Peter Berg to direct a version of The Rescuers. Oh, like, my that's, God. That's a movie I'd pay to see. How would you even do that? <laughs> Apart from getting Mark Wahlberg to somehow get an Australian accent. I want to see Spike Lee direct a remake of Song of the South. <laughs> <laughs> I want an Alfonso Cuaron free Calaveras. <laughs> I want Home on the Brave, made by David Fincher. That's, That's all I, I need in life. But in the meanwhile, Tim Burton's Dumbo, you know what? It uh, it works, it works. It takes off, but it never soars. How about that? That's my that's my, my naff pun. So that's that's yeah. bad. That's really bad. Well, I mean, my the dilemma for me is film of the week is it Lords of Chaos or uh, or being Frank. And I'm gonna say Lords of Chaos because that film sticks with you. That just really gets under your skin mm. although being frank is really really charming so either of those I would take as the one to see this weekend Dumbo is it's fine you know you'll enjoy it just fine <laughs> but you won't love it you'll love like Lords of Chaos beast. you won't love it like Beauty and the Beast <laughs> <laughs> I sense we've got another long standing feud to, to have between us 
But uh, so next week, some interesting stuff. Yeah, we've got uh, the Sisters Brothers is finally getting a UK release next. Oh, week. it's about time. I know. How long has that been now? I've wanted to see that for a long time. I yeah. swear they've been like Such screening cast it as well. So like. Six months that's been sort of in the world. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've got Last Breath, which is a documentary about a trapped diver, I believe. We've got Happy as Lazaro. We've got The Keeper. We've got Pet Cemetery, And I'm so excited about that. Pet Cemetery? Yeah. Oh, I know. I hear good things. And that's of fun. course, last but certainly by no means least, Shazam is next week. As oh, well. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, yeah. Captain Marvel 2, Marvel Boogaloo. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been the Candy Store production for Movie Marker. I've been Van Connor. I've been Case Allen. And we shall return. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more movie news, reviews, and more, visit moviemarker.co.uk. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Extra podcast. <laughs> okay. So, podcast extras this week. Shall we uh, really quickly review uh, Three Faces, the new Jafar Panahi movie? Pafar Jahani. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, in which Jafar Panahi stars alongside Benaz Jafari. That's a tongue twister. That's a tongue twister. I'd very nearly put it in the show notes, really, in the episode to, to try and get some outtakes out of you. But uh, this is, yet again with Jafar Panahi, one of those films that's presented as if it's a documentary, but it's actually not. And he is playing himself. And uh, the actress, uh, Benaz Jafari, same thing. So kind of like Taxi or Taxi Tehran uh, a couple of years ago. Mm. Same kind of thing. In this, uh, he is escorting his friend, the actress, uh, Benaz, on... Uh, journey to uh, to answer basically a, a, a YouTube posted uh, cry for help from a young girl and uh, they they travel to a town they find uh, within her village that the, the 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 way that women are living and and they're standing within the culture is let's just say not quite up to what you would describe as a first world paradigm imaginatively enough I mean it is Iran so it, it's an exploration ah. of female standing in modern Iran. Rom-com, then. Absolutely, yes. Um, well, I have this thing with, with Jafar Panahi, which is I kind of think he's what you'd get if you took the sense of humour out of Mark Thomas and then had a fatwa put on him. You know, I, f- I feel like that's kind of what you'd get with Jafar Panahi. I uh, own an overturn fatwa from the last season of Kirby Enthusiasm. And Salman Rushdie. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's no such thing. Obviously, he's just persecuted by the Iranian government an awful lot. Mm. But the problem is that, like most Jafar Panahi movies, it came, I came out of, uh, of Three Faces just feeling like, I know that I've watched a good mess. I know I've been told a good message. I've been told. I've been. I've been told a story that I know is important. I recognise mm. it as important, and you know I feel for that story and I have engaged with that story. But unfortunately, I don't think the film itself is particularly engaging. I don't think it really accomplishes much in the way of of infotainment, as it as it were. There's, it's like when you watch like a panorama documentary it, yeah very yeah. laboured lots of just static I'll just keep the, the camera four miles away and hold the shot from there I will walk the full length into frame and then back mm. there will be no cut and there's a lot of that in there <laughs> there will be no cut <laughs> it very much is only, there only I make cut it's very stark. It's very, you know, quiet, silent. I, I just couldn't connect with it. And, you know, I just found it I found it troublesome in that way. Mm. Laboured. Laboured, yes. Laborious mm. would be another way Laborious. of putting it. So, uh, a couple of quick uh, film news bits to, yeah. to, to get through. Uh, Zoe Lister-Jones, the actress, has been... Uh, yeah. yeah. She's this been hired cool. to direct the Craft reboot, remake, resequel, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Which is okay. Um, Maisie Williams has revealed that even the cast do not know what the hell is going on <laughs> going with, on new, with mutants. new Mutants. <laughs> I don't think that's the language she used, but yeah. That's essentially... I mean, yeah. the rumour is that's going direct to Disney Plus when it launches anyway. Yeah, like we said it was going to go to... Well, it was rumoured to go on to Hulu in America, mm. but then obviously Disney Plus has now been, uh, been announced. So I think we'll, we'll not use that to launch Disney Plus because it's not that big of a it's title. Not, is it? No. But we'll probably it'll end up That's like, a week five it? release kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's one when you've got a Wednesday to fill. You know, that's, yeah. that's one of those. Um, weird one I discovered. Uh, I mean, also, by the way, New Mutants still has not had those reshoots that they went, that they got shut down. The Fox were like, you must have these. The ones to make it scary. Yeah. The what? The it reshoots, as I call them, because that's why they the did it, them. Yeah. 
Well, that's why they did this it. This is what it? people want. Yes. Because nothing ever, nothing bad ever came of chasing trends with sh- with reshooting superhero movies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they've still not done those reshoots. Anyway, um, let's see. There may be a prequel, a cinematic prequel to Pet Cemetery, to this oh, current really? one that's you know coming out next week. Yeah. I don't know how serious that actually is. Another thing that intrigued me this week was apparently Godzilla vs. Kong mm. is not necessarily the end of that franchise. Ooh, I thought that's just what it was building up to. That was going to mm. be a combination. So what, that's it was being it was built, built up to as a... Predator. <laughs> Godzilla vs. Kong vs. Alien vs. Predator. Versus Pacific Rim. Versus Look, Pacific Rim, this, yeah. this ends with Pacific Rim or nothing. Okay, that is it. Well, isn't Pacific Rim legendary as well? Hmm. It is. No, no, it actually is, yeah. But, uh, okay, so I need to talk about Steven Spielberg with you. Now, I was going to do this off my own back, and then I've just discovered that it actually is um, a news article, news piece. It actually is causing minor controversy. (laughs) So the Spielberg Netflix thing. Yeah. Right, we've talked about that at length. And uh, you can imagine a lot of people were surprised this week then at the Apple keynote when they unveiled Apple TV Plus, that new Apple TV platform. Yeah, because Apple yeah. have now uh, invented Netflix. Yeah, yeah Apple are doing them. a Netflix. Yeah. yeah. So, Steven Spielberg a... didn't like Netflix, but he loves Apple. Yeah, strange that. Really, really strange. So, what happens if Steve ever directs a movie for Apple Plus that then gets nominated for an Oscar? There we is go. he is he simply to return the nomination? Yeah, because he doesn't believe in it, because he's yeah. made a TV film. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't possibly accept the nomination for this award. Even though one of his best films is a fucking TV film. Exactly, yeah. Duel, come on, man. But, uh... Yeah. He just always got to get his jaws into... I'm trying to think of more. <laughs> and since the year 1941... <laughs> <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> I can't think of it. not that old, surely. Is he 50s? More than 50s? Yeah, I'm just trying to think of... <laughs> that's, the, that's the only film title that he's got where it's a year. It's very true. Yeah. He's always there? Yeah, know. we got always. Yeah. We got always. I don't know. Not, not many other his films like lend themselves to be distant sentences, do they? I started imparting information to him and he put it all on A. Schindler's list. <laughs> That's a bad one. That's a very bad one. It's going into a dangerous zone. I I told him this at the airport when he was in the terminal. (laughs) (laughs) I was chasing after him. Yelling, yelling, catch me. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, okay, so. Uh, um, Munich. (laughs) In the terminal on his way to Munich. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Yeah, so uh, Spielberg, it seems, is a whore like everyone else, only he's a whore for, <laughs> he's a whore for Apple, not Netflix. You're a whore, Stephen. <laughs> You're not going out like that. You're a Spielberg, not, not a, whore. a whore. On which note, here it is, your moment of cage. Just passing through. 